from the Red Shoe Institute. This is Touch Base Tuesdays, sharing life-changing stories and advice to help military families with all phases of deployment. And now, here's your host, founder of the Red Shoe Institute, Dr. Margarita Gurry. Well, hello, listeners. This is Dr. Margarita Gurry, and it's Touch Base Tuesdays, a show geared to helping our military families have all the best of information so that their service to our country is only a blessing. Today, we're lucky to have with us Dr. Ed Dunkelblau. Dr. Dunkelblau is an award-winning guy, and he's also, he's just so nice. He's the director of the uh, Institute for Emotionally Intelligent Learning. Uh, he has won awards, including the Distinguished Alum Service Award for University of Kansas and for uh, Columbia, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, and for me, my favorite thing he's ever done is he's co-hosted a segment of the Humor and Child Stress on uh, Nickelodeon's Nick News with Linda Ellerby, and he was a hoot on that. Um, Dr. Dunkelblau is an expert uh, in uh, helping people who have deployed uh, to make the best of the situation. Uh, welcome, Dr. Dunkelblau. Thank you. Nice to be here. <laughs> How are you today? I am doing wonderfully, and I'm looking forward to having an interesting conversation. Well, me too. It's always interesting with you. And um, I'll, I'll tell the viewers a secret. Ed is the first friend that I made as a grown-up. We go way back, and he has all of my respect and all of my affection. And watching him deal in the Yellow Ribbon program the last few years. Ed, how many years have we been doing that now? Uh, over four years now. Is it over four years? Wow. So please talk to us and to the military families and anyone who's in touch with the military family. What can you tell us about um, about deployments? It's all about the family. Well, it's um, and, and family with a, a small F because not everyone who's deployed has a, an intact nuclear family. Some single uh, service members leave with a little family support at home, but then they go into their military family and they come back into their community family. So it's the family uh, generically described, but most of what we're going to talk about is the actual families, the, the biological uh, growing up with families, that, that most service members are attached to. Um, if you think about families, families are systems. Families are systems the way, same way machines are systems or our body is a system. It's a whole bunch of interrelated parts that functions together to get stuff done. And each part has its role. Each part uh, has a designed uh, chore or task, and so the system figures out a way to make sure it all works together. Uh, families are no different. So when a service member is deployed, that means you're taking an integral part of that, of that system, of that family, and you're removing it and sending it away to join a different family on a different mission. So that's bound to have an impact on both the family that's left behind as well as the service member that's off on deployment. 
And what's the usual impact that we can expect? Well, there, there's impact at numerous levels. The person who is deployed, the impact is primarily a sense of loneliness, of being separated from those that are important to him or her, or that they know support and care about him or her. Uh, they sense distance because usually they're deployed far away. Uh, but the other part is they're deployed into a new situation with a new system, uh, their unit or, or their flight wing or whatever, and they have a specific job to do. So a lot of their time is taken up with their new roles and their new tasks, and it's pretty clear what they're supposed to do. So when they're away on deployment, they pretty much have a sense of where they are, what they're supposed to do, what their mission is. So the primary tensions or feelings about family are the distance and the fact that things are going on without them there. For the family, on the other part, they are missing a key piece. So the family is faced with a whole bunch of experiences that are not necessarily positive. They might worry about the service member's deployment because they are very often going places that are not all that safe. They might feel sad about the loss. They might realize that that person was really important and the tasks that they were doing at home are no longer getting done. Uh, uh, parents who one of the uh, parents is deployed may find the other parents going, whoa, wait a minute, I have all this parenting to do all by myself now. I've lost my partner. I've lost my, my, my tag team, and so things get really harder. For kids, they might be missing one of their parents. They might realize that somebody's gone. They might be nervous about their safety. They might be nervous about their own safety, feeling like uh, mom or dad is away and they were one of my protectors. Um, for uh, parents and grandparents whose children uh, and grandchildren of service members, they too will have a sense of concern, of loss, of sadness that potentially could be stressful because they're worried that their child or grandchild might be in harm's way. At the same time, they may also feel a sense of pride that they're, they're serving their country and they're doing important work. Other things that come up are things like financial concerns. Money changes differently. Earnings are different. Very often the person who handles the money, who pays the bills, is no longer available to do that. Concerns about just getting stuff done, like perhaps somebody was responsible for car maintenance or getting things done around the house, may no longer be available to do that. Uh, and then finally, there are the personal the personal sense of loss and distance that uh, marital couples may have, that uh, parents and children may have, that sense of the other person's not there, so I'm not getting the hugs I need or the intimacy that I was once used to. Yes. Well, you and I have a colleague, Kamel Rooms, who is not only one of the Yellow Ribbon speakers but a military wife, and she's very proud of the service that her husband has um, contributed. And she talks about a family, which she teases as a Bible. This is book that has all of the chores and all of the tasks that normally would be done 
as an intact family so that she and whoever else is helping with the family and the kids can continue. Um, have you experienced much of those kinds of great resources that families have come up with? You know, not as much as I would like. Uh, there are a number of books available at any of these Yellow Ribbon events that help families and support them and give suggestions and ideas. There are, there are family groups that are available to help and support. But I, I, I'm not sure everybody takes advantage of those. As you were talking, it occurred to me that there's also not a singular rule, that the experience of deployment in families is often different depending on whether it's the first deployment or one of a, a number of multiple deployments. Yes. And that people learn that there are different things. They, they may not be as afraid the second or third time. I worked with one, one family where uh, the husband was deployed and the wife was, uh, they, they knew he was going to be deployed again in two weeks, so they started having a lot of fights, the, the husband and wife. And rather than getting into the fight, she said, oh, wait, we're about two weeks out from deployment. This is usually when we start having fights. <laughs> Smart so she had a She had a perspective on it from the experience that made it less, less toxic and less worrisome. Didn't make it any easier not having the fights, but at least she knew what it was about. Well, good. Have you seen any difference when it is the mother or the spouse or the female partner that is being deployed as opposed to when it's the male being deployed? I, I think the biggest difference that I've heard from, from uh, service members and their families, especially when we do the yellow ribbon events for families, is that when the service member is away and it's a female that's at home, the service member is usually male, and the female is at home, a lot of the issues uh, that I've heard talked about are around money, around uh, maintenance issues, around um, family support in the community. When the uh, female parent is a female uh, is away and a male is left at home, most of the conversation is about child rearing and upbringing and the challenges of uh, being both mother and father to a, to a child. Uh, very often, the men who come to the workshops are, are looking for help and support and answers around those issues. And you are one of the best experts when it comes to humor uh, to help with a healthy outlook in love and life and work. Um, Tell us about the role of humor in families dealing with deployment. Well, humor is one of those things that everybody has has a level of capability toward that everybody enjoys. And when it's used therapeutically or when it's used to facilitate coping, there's no downside. It's one of those things that everybody can access. So when I work with deployed families, when I work with service members who are back from deployment, one of the things we talk about is how to access their sense of humor, how to use their sense of humor, how to cope with humor, and also how to practice humor in a way that's safe and no hurt. Because sometimes humor can be sarcastic and hurtful, and that's not what we talk about. So 
Humor is a tremendously beneficial way of coping. It feels good. It's pleasant. It's healthy. <laughs> it, it has physiological benefits, and it's non-fattening. <laughs> well, that's always a good thing. Um, what are some tips to help us have a better uh, humor hygiene? Uh, better humor hygiene. You mean how to utilize humor? Yes, that, that was that a term mean? that I had uh, when I was talking to you a long time ago. You used the word humor hygiene. I had never heard that before. Really? So what are some tips to shore up our use of humor in a productive way? Yeah, I, it's, it's a good term. I, I, I'm glad I <laughs> it's it. It's an uncle blood uh, term. <laughs> I, I really, well, you I thought I made it, it up. But, uh, it, it makes sense. Um, I, I think there's a number of things. One is to, to understand that humor is more than jokes, and that humor can be being playful. Human can, humor can be playing games. Humor can be finding funny things on the internet. It can be reading playful things. It can be uh, looking at pictures that are fun or funny. It can be any one of the things that prompt a laugh in you or someone you care about. So that's the first thing to remember. Second is to identify what kinds of things you find funny and to broaden your spectrum of what, what brings a smile to your face and then to actively seek those things out, to build them into your day, to sh find humor buddies, find other people who get you, who understand your sense of humor and whose humor you get and appreciate, uh, to really invest some money in things that are funny. You know, we spend money on so much other stuff, some of it unhealthy, that finding uh, books or, or videos uh, uh, or, or just, uh, you know, maybe even subscribing to uh, satellite radio because it has humor channels, just finding things that bring a smile to your face and allowing some time for that really helps everybody at every age. Well, that is so true. Um, what else do you suggest for military families? Uh, I, more and more families are coming uh, back, whether it's they just came home today or tomorrow or summer weeks or months. Um, please help all the families figure out ways to make that transition um, to whatever is their new normal um, going to be. Okay. Well, one of the main things... Um, is preparation. Anticipate when someone's coming home. Anticipate what kinds of things are going to be different when they come home. And don't guess. Actually have the conversation. Very often um, uh, returning service members are surprised. You know, the, the, the spouse at home or the parent at home wants to support wants to kind of have a party or a celebration or a surprise. And what I've heard is as often as not, the service member is really not up for that. And they would really rather have a quiet return where there's an opportunity to just spend time with loved ones rather than parties or parades or anything else. So it's really important to anticipate the homecoming and to have a conversation about what would you like. What would be best for you? What would be helpful? Think about who gets access to the service member when they get home. 
and how much time they have. Because it may be that everybody wants a piece. And it may yeah. be that that has to get timed out. See, one of the things to think about is because I talked about the family as a system or a machine, when you take that that significant piece of the machine out, the family kind of limps along for a while because it's missing that piece. But over time, it reorganizes itself and it begins to function smoothly again. So now you take that piece that was out and you drop it back into the machine that has reorganized and it goes, whoa, wait a minute, we're doing things a little differently right now. It's not so easy to get readjusted. So the first thing to remember is it takes some time for everybody to get readjusted and reorganized because everybody's was used, everybody was used to doing something differently in a different way. The service member had their mission on deployment. They had their schedule. They had their routine. They knew exactly what they were wearing every single day. And then when they come home, they're faced with very different choices, sometimes more mundane experiences, less exciting, less challenging. And so there's an adjustment period that everybody needs. So the first thing to think about is anticipate what the homecoming will be like and also recognize that there's a period of adjustment that everybody brings back with them. And how about the adjustment for those that were left behind? What do you recommend for that? I recommend planning. I recommend discussion. I recommend anticipation, especially when you have kids. You know, what's the first thing we would like to do? Do you want to draw mommy or daddy some pictures? Uh, Do you want to make a list of things you want to get done? But we have to be patient and take time. the other thing to consider is what the service member's experience was when deployed. Some service members in high combat zones and in and, and, uh, uh, forward operating bases experience some things that are difficult to cope with. So the other thing is to take a little bit of time and, and let them ease back into this world and also understand what sorts of things they're still coping with and dealing with when they come back both on the part of the spouses, the parents, the friends, as well as the children. I deal with families, and sometimes I have callers who call in and say they're very worried about a service member. What would you suggest that conversation goes like if someone's worried about their returned service member? Well, it's, that's, that's a, such a common experience and so hard to answer in, in general. The main thing I would suggest is to get some support, is to talk with others about your concerns. If, if it feels okay, if it seems doable, to certainly talk with the service member as well about what your concerns are and what kinds of supports and help might be available. But everyone has, no, most everyone has access to military one source which is really a good first phone call for any kind of questions or concerns to begin to get a sense of who's out there, what kinds of solutions are available, what kinds of supports are available, and how do I address these concerns that I have about the service member or that the service member might have either about themselves or about someone else in their family. I think that's great advice. That's actually my favorite website 
It's a great one-stop shop, militaryonesource.com and .mil. Um, I called it once to get information on how to help a family deal with a child who was struggling, and they were super helpful um, in terms of giving me resources and connecting with the family. So I think yeah, that was a great idea. They really are terrific. And there's, they are. If, if the service members in the Army, there's also Army One Source. Uh, if it's job-related concerns, there is a whole realm of job supports through the VA job site. Um, uh, it, it used to be known as Heroes to Hire. I think they just changed their name, but it used to be H2H.jobs. I don't know if it's still uh, that, but if, if anybody Googled Heroes to Hire, I think they could find uh, there's a lot of support, a lot of job support. Uh, contacting their unit, there's always support their unit. If there's concerns about psychological well-being or about depression, there are people specifically trained to support that in psychological services or even through TRICARE. So I, I think there's something like 200 different agencies that are available to returning service members if they want to access them. That's why Yellow Ribbon is so important, because it helps connect the service member and their family to whatever supports, resources, and adjuncts exist out in the community, and they're all free. Yes, and that's uh, yellowribbon.mil, a uh, very, very good website. So we're going to be closing in a second. What are some last words of wisdom from you, Ed Dunkelblau? Um, I think of you as such a wise, kind, and funny guy. What do you suggest for our families in anticipating a great life after a return from deployment? A um, couple of things. One, take it slow. Don't try to make up for lost time. Take it easy. Two, use your supports, friends, family, um, uh, any kind of professional support, uh, churches, synagogues, mosques, any place that can provide help, support, and resources, don't be shy. If there are problems, fight through that tough-it-out mentality and be willing to ask for assistance. It's everywhere. It's out there. It's available, and it makes life easier if there are problems. Bottom line is then, and just appreciate and enjoy when everybody's back together again. It's special when when someone leaves, and it's even more special when they come home. All right, that's really great advice. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Ed Blau, and I know the military families are delighted. Um, I'm going to have on the Touch Base Tuesdays Blog Talk Radio um, the information and links so that they can reach you. But is there a particular email or uh, phone number you would like people to call you uh, directly if they want to talk with you about the deployment process or resources? Yeah, the email would be the easiest way. It, it connects through my website. And the email is ed, E-D, at teacheq, T-E-A-C-H-E-Q dot com. All right, and could you tell everyone what EQ is, please? Emotional intelligence, that set of skills and competencies that allow us to connect 
with other people, develop relationships, handle our own experiences, our own emotions, and our own impulses in a way that allow us to be successful and happy. All right, and there you hear it from Dr. Ed Dunkelblau, the director of the Institute for Emotionally Intelligent Learning and one of the best resources you'll ever meet. Thank you, Ed Dunkelblau. I really appreciate your taking the time to help our military families. Thank uh, you, you for inviting well. me. I will be too. <laughs> Always, and you know you're going to be stuck being invited again, so you can be I'm, thinking about the next stop. Already, okay. I knew you were ready. Thank you so much, Ed Dunkelblau. Thanks for being with us here on Touch Base Tuesdays with Dr. Margarita Guri. To hear more Red Shoe stories, visit RedShoeInstitute.com. Remember to subscribe to Touch Base Tuesdays on iTunes. This podcast is a production of the Red Shoe Institute, powered by PodcastAndRadio.com.